Welcome to DustinStravels.com, your home to fun, exciting travel adventures. And now your host, Dustin Saidi. Okay, we're here with Maritza Padilla. So you took a, was it three weeks or four weeks? Um, it was four, including Mexico, three in South America. Okay, so where did you go in South America? Uh, I went to Peru, Bolivia, and Chile. And where did you start off? I started in Peru. Okay, so let's start with that leg of the trip. The, mm -hmm. You spent about a week in Peru, right? Yeah. So tell us kind of where you went um, and what you recommend if people are traveling to Peru, what we should see. And tell a little bit about your story, too, because you like to travel sort of um, not the touristy thing, but typically, mm -hmm. right? You kind of do a little bit of the backdoors travel, right? Right. Um, so I flew into Lima. And I stayed in a neighborhood called Miraflores. Uh, Miraflores is uh, kind of like the nicer area. It's not the what you would call the centro. So the centro is where um, you know you have the Plaza de Armas, which is where you know you have the cathedral and you have more like the presidency, all those uh, um, attractions. So I stayed in Miraflores, which I said is it's pretty nice. It's uh, coastal. Lima is coastal, so you had access to um, the coast maybe within five or ten minute walking distance. And uh, Miraflores, there's a lot of parks, there's a lot of shopping going on. Um, it is kind of like a hostel-y area, so it's very touristy friendly. Um, I I stayed in Miraflores for about a day and then I took um other day trips so I I asked around in the hostel what what day trips I could do and so um the following day I got in in on a Monday and then um on a Tuesday I did a day trip to it's called well they they had different spots but the first stop was an island it's called Ballestas So, so Miraflores was kind of like your hub, and then you did day trips from there, right? Right, Um, they would go pick me up at the hostel. Um, I did this with Peru Hop, which is very touristy-friendly uh, agency that does day trips, or they could do longer, you know, two or three day trips to different spots. And so the first stop on this day trip was Isla Ballestas. Um, it, it was very beautiful. It was a boat ride of maybe an hour and a half. And you get to see different types of species that are, you know, native to that land. And we also got to see one interesting site. So if you're familiar with the Nazca lines, um, you know, they uh, they are lines that have no scientific way of explaining how they have lasted because they are on sand. And we got to see one of those. It's not directly linked to the Nazca lines and that culture, but it is within... Um, pretty close distance so we think maybe it was related and what you see if I remember in English the word is like a trident you know related to um, for example Poseidon and that Greek mythology those images and so this is engraved in the sand and it has lasted for so long according to the um, the person giving the tour because of um, it has I believe copper And that's how it has lasted for so long. Cause there's so so what what is it? so I've never heard of this. What is this? Nas just, Nazca line? Yeah. So Nazca lines is just like 
something that you could only see from a bird's eye. So you have to take, um, you know, helicopter ride or whatever to in order to see it. And, and are, those, the, are these some kind of currents or? They are literally just lines that are on um, the sand. I believe it's sand. And uh, they have different geometric figures. Some are linked to, you know, different um, mythological figures or, you know, the different cosmovision from the... Um, Paracas, I believe, is the civilization that w- was around when um, those were made. And the, so these lines are naturally occurring, and we, no, we don't really know where they're from? They or? are man-made, but we don't know for what purpose necessarily. And what's, I guess, the attraction is that they are on sand, and we don't know how they have lasted for so long without being eroded by the currents of air and that kind of thing. Oh, wow. So you saw one of these? Yes. Or- uh, it's hard to see on the ground, like the full thing, but you you basically traveled and visited one of these. Yes, and like I said, it's not directly related to that culture of the Nazca lines, but it is pretty close in, um, di- in different characteristics. So that, you know, there's a lot to go around, you know, as far as speculation, but it, I have a picture here maybe... Um, it's easier for you to grasp. Um, well, I can see it. The, the listeners are only going to be listening, so they won't right. be able to see it. But um, so, so was that? How was that experience? So I said this is this is by some islands. So that's what's interesting because you know by where you have um, bodies of water, there's a lot of wind. So you're looking at it, Dustin, but um, it has lasted like that for thousands of years, or not not thousands, but for a very long time. So and is this like imprinted into the land? I mean, can yeah. someone just go onto the land well, and kick, kick dirt? It's protected. Oh. Yeah. So the, um, out in the islands, there are island protectors. So, you know, they're constantly watching and that's what they do. They just choose to live on an island and just kind of uh, make sure that there's no Ill- illegal fishing going on and that, you know, people are not walking around because I think they did say that some irresponsible tourists try to do um um. They had, I don't know, motorcycles and they try to ride around. So it's just, you know, they it's very protected because it is, you know, historical. Very wow. And, and the, so someone could go erode it, but it's just being protected so they don't yeah. do it. Yeah, it's being watched. So, um, and this is, this is by government officials or just people of the land just taking it upon their own self to do it? I believe it's government appointed. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So you saw, so you visited one of these. This was a day trip using Peru Hop to yes, go see it. That's the agency. Yeah. And again, this is um, by the Paracas. I I'm sorry, not Ballestas, um, Ballestas Island. And so we got to see different, like I said, um, birds, and they have different. Um, gosh, I forget. Penguins, <laughs> you know. So it was it was very nice. And then from there we went further down. Um, we got back into the land, and we went to um, uh, Ica, and then from there um, that has. Um, kind of like an oasis in the middle of a desert, so that was really nice. And then what you could do there is sandboarding. So we did sandboarding, and then we also did some. We took some big cars. I forget what it's called in English. Sorry, and we just kind of rode in the sand. That's S- sandboarding, basically like like sledding, but in sand, like on right. a board. Yeah, that was the touristy attraction, and then. As you can and, see. and you go downhill with that, or yeah, and they're small dunes, you know. They they're not, they don't allow people to actually stand on the sandboards because it's you know you could get hurt, you could break your neck. So what people usually do is they just um you know, lay on their belly and then they do sandboarding like that, unless you're an expert um sandboarder. But oh wow, that's so, that's pretty cool. And are these dunes like you surf the sand dunes, or you kind of just get on and you just 
slide down for a while. Yeah, you just slide down. I'm playing a video here. You just kind of slide down. There is a slope, so you know you are gonna, you you could get some good um, velocity down the dunes. Yeah. Oh wow, that's cool. So that was kind of near near where you had you had seen the this other stuff, correct? It was it was further down. Yeah, further okay. down um, the coast, and I'm showing you pictures now. This is the oasis, Huacachina. Um, and it's in the middle of, you know, a desert. Um, so Guacachina is, this looks like, it's like a little, almost like mirage. Like you see mm -hmm. something in cartoons or whatever, just mm -hmm. this oasis in the middle of a desert. Yeah, and there's a body of water, Huacachina, um River, I believe. And people actually live there? Uh, no, this is more touristy. So around the oasis, there are different restaurants and different agencies too, where you could do sandboarding and such as. Wow, that's amazing. Can you actually stay there as well overnight? I believe you can. I believe there are small hostels, yeah. But again, it's in kind of in the middle of nowhere. But you, if you're, that's what you're looking to do, you know, you could probably find um, uh, lodging, yeah. Wow, that I mean, that look, I know our listeners won't be able to see, but that looks pretty amazing. Um, and is it? Does it get pretty hot out there? I mean, you're kind of in the middle of the desert. Yeah, uh, you do get hot but again it is a desert so um after the sun sets it does get pretty windy so you know you get both extremes um when i got there it was around two and i saw some people um sunbathing so you know it did it there's good temperature to sunbathe even though you know you have to consider that for our summer in california it's kind of winter over there but at least in peru there's not really winter or summer it's more like dry dry season and wet season because of the rain but oh we would consider it winter over there. Okay. Wow. So that was all day one. Anything else on day one that you did <clears throat> that was pretty awesome? Um, that was pretty much it. Um, like I said, there was like two or three spots, but it was definitely worth it. Um, if people are looking for a quote, it was $119. And we traveled, I want to say, um, three and a half hours one way. So in total, it was about six hours. And, you know considering the the boat ride and um the different sandboarding and with um this car that i forget what the name is i'm gonna have to get back to you but basically you rode on this in the sand dune so it's kind of like sandboarding but with a specialized kind of vehicle that is um you know four by four especially designed to withstand all the, the looks looks like a large dune buggy yeah, yeah, there you go, Doom Buggy. That, that, Maybe something you see in Mad Max movies, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and that was, you know, if um, it was, of course, included in the packet, but if you wanted the driver to go more intense or, you know, just for more adrenaline, you could tip him more so he could do more crazy stunts while you're riding in the vehicle. So the whole day trip was about 120 U.S. That yeah. included your food and, and travel to and back and everything? It didn't include food, but... um, No, no, it didn't include food, but... Um, I thought it was definitely worth it because we did, um, we were gone all day, basically all day and it was a lot of fun and just the sights are definitely worth it. Cause you know, we saw an island and it was overcast. So you, you got different extreme weathers, you know, all within like two or three hours of Lima. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So, um, and then what did you do the, so you were in Peru for a week? Um, yeah, a little less, around, around, yeah. Okay, what did you do uh, the rest of your time there? Um, let's see, so that was... Um, so that was day one, you went at day two was something similar? Like this that? was day two, um, because I got in on around noon, 
And so the other day, I just kind of, um, uh, with the hostel that I was staying, we did, they had a free walking tour. So we did a walking tour. You do use the, um, the metro over there, the metro system to go to, again, the centro or what we could center like downtown. And, um, we also went into, um, convent, um, and it's actually still being used right now. It's just the part that we went to, um, they are using it for, I guess, um, travel, like, travels, site travel? No, how do you say Dif- Well, for people, you know, they're, they're making profit because even though it's, I believe it's a UNESCO heritage site, the government um, doesn't give them money to um, uh, support themselves. So what the the folks who live there, you know, from the clergy or whatever, um, decided to open up part of the convent so they can make ends meet. And what's really interesting of um that place is that they have a really really old library it's really small and you can see a lot of books that are just you know are so so old um where the choir would be it's really interesting too the organ that they used to have and they have catacombs too so they have a bunch of of bones you know just piled up and um this the way they're arranged the archaeologists are the ones who arrange them because you know they found them and of course these were all members of the clergy who are buried down there but um so this was all in the inside the convent uh yeah this is you know underground you know the the catacombs so the catacombs are underneath the convent or yeah, nearby yeah we had to um go um down to a flight of stairs so um so, so this was something cool worth seeing as well yeah and, and it's in the el centro so kind of the center of lima where the near the presidential palace and all mm-hmm. that yeah, yeah yeah so um it's a it's it's pr- pretty um visited place it's a convent i believe san francisco and um this was recommended by our tour guide and the guy is half peruvian so you know he showed us like pretty good spots um in the center yeah so he went with you, and this was included in your hostel uh, stay, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And which hostel was this, in case listeners want to go there? Um, I stayed in Cocopelli Hostel. Um, it's I, I recommend it. <laughs> I stayed in a lot of hostels, and that was one of my favorites. Yeah, so I recommend okay. it. And how, so how long was the city tour that you took? Like, did that last the whole day, or kind of a morning, or an afternoon? We left around 11, and we got back before four so it it was pretty you know because we had to use a metro and everything but um i was really satisfied you know part of our, our your stay in the hostel so i was very happy with it yeah cool so what else did what else is good to see in the el centro and el lima the the convent mm-hmm. um well of course you know the pres- presidential palace um you have the plaza de armas right there and um i believe the i don't know how to say in english but you know um the presidential i guess guard like it was playing you know so that was interesting and they were playing a a military version i guess of el condor pasa so people who know about peruvian music el condor pasa is one of those um just renowned classic um melodies from the andean repertoire el condor pasa so condor is really sacred to um um, Peruvian mythology to the cosmovision and also part of Bolivia because you know they shared some cultures um, the condor so el condor pasa the condor passes I guess would be the literal translation they were playing that song and it was really nice um, 
So besides those sites, we also did. Well, and the presidential palace, it actually the president actually lives there. Is that? Uh, I don't know. If that's the case with Peru. Um, I can't really speak about that, but um, I I know it is used, obviously for different um, military activities and everything. Okay, and they they often they have little processions out there with the guards marching around, and that's what you're referring to. With yeah. The- yeah, the the band, I guess, was playing. And so I went in an interesting time. And unfortunately, I wasn't there for the actual, um, their Independence Day. But they were getting ready for that. So you see a lot of Peruvian flags everywhere. And just you could just feel, uh, I think Peruvian people are really, really proud when it comes around to, to their um, um, time to celebrate their Independence Day. And people were wearing pins and everything. So you could just feel <laughs> the pride, yeah. And it, this was actually before, not just on the day of, but you were there several days before. Right. And again, I wasn't there for the actual Independence Day, which is the 28th of July. I was over in Bolivia, but um, I, I could just imagine, you know, the celebration um, because they do place a lot of um, pride again on, on their Independence Day. That's great. And how now I visited Lima just for a day because we were flying through. Mm-hmm. How did you like the food down there? Um, well, I... I'm vegetarian, so I have a limited <laughs> options, but I, I love Peruvian food. Um, and, you know, I can't speak to ceviche, but everything I hear, hear about ceviche is just amazing. What I do have is like causa, which is a plate with um, kind of like mashed potatoes and lemon, but it has to be vegetarian. And there's also papa la huancaina, which is one of their signature dishes too, it's just um again potato they um one of the things they were saying about in the comment is that convent is that they have over 900 different types of potatoes so uh, peru is big on potatoes and their dishes um so yeah i um papa la huancaina is what i had um i visited different vegetarian spots and they make really good for example veggie meals out of quinoa and lentils different beans so uh, it's still vegetarian friendly, even though you miss out on the seafood, which again I only hear amazing things about. Yeah. Awesome. And then, um, what did you do day three or day four? I think I headed over to Cusco because I I wanted to do Machu Picchu again, so I flew there <laughs> on a really um, low budget airline. <laughs> the the airplane looked kind of like a toy but it got me there and um yeah that's where I felt the altitude and you know once you arrive it's again a very small airport um (laughs) you see the different agencies trying to you know sell you like oh taxi service or whatever and then um they have their little um dispenser with hot water and coca leaves you know for the altitude and they overcharge you I mean like if if you're American and you have American dollars, like, you know, the conversion is three dollar, uh, three thirty soles for a dollar. So three soles and thirty cents of a sol are a dollar. So they charge you five soles for, um, you know, like a a cup of tea, which is maybe a dollar twenty or something like that. You don't think it's a lot, but they, if you try to imagine. To them is a lot because typically one sol is what you would pay for a tea, so they're overcharging a lot. Even though to us it's a little, it's a little bit, you know, to Peruvians it's a lot. 
but if you're desperate because of the altitude, then you have you have it right there. When you say so, obviously Machu Picchu is a must do when you're going to Peru, right? Right. And how how far away is that from Lima? <clears throat> uh, if you're gonna go by land, it's about ten, twelve hours. Um, and I flew again because I knew I had limited time, and that was <clears throat> maybe like a two hour flight or a little less. Yeah, I got there pretty fast. And how much did it cost? And do you remember what airline you took? Um, Peru Star or Star Peru is is the airline, and maybe I paid one ten, one fifteen, something like that. Um, you have to consider that I went in um high season, like people are over there. Um, they have vacation time, so um, it is everything is more expensive during the time that I went. So you have to consider that. Okay, and um, were you there for the whole day? Um, I can't remember what time I got in, but I could tell you that uh, it was very cold, and I didn't like the hostel where I stayed. It was just, ooh, people just partied all night <laughs> and played music all night, but again, I was there only, you know, to sightsee and go to Machu Picchu. So can you, um, so Machu Picchu is higher up in altitude, so you're, it's a little bit colder there, right? Yep, yeah, it's higher in altitude than Lima, it's... Yeah, and actually, Cusco is higher in altitude than Machu Picchu. That's why people don't have such a hard time doing Machu Picchu because it's not as high as Cusco. And Cusco is the city next to basically Machu Picchu. <clears throat> yeah, it's Machu Picchu is maybe actually it's it's a little far because to get to Machu Picchu, you have to take a train, uh, an hour and a half train. From Cusco. Right. Given that the train is not going at a ridiculous speed, velocity, but it's still a ways because you have to transport yourself to the um, the the train station, take the train, and then still you have two options. You could either take a bus up to Machu Picchu to, you know, the point of entry of the park, I guess, or you could walk, which is an hour and a half, which is people choose to do that too. Okay. And... Um... If you can you stay like actually at Machu Picchu or do you need to stay in Cusco or there's some Yeah, you could say um in Machu Picchu um the city would be at Aguascalientes. Um that's the city where you would stay. And again, you still have to take either a bus or walk hike up to it um which is an hour and a half. But if you want to stay there locally, it's a small town. Um but you know, they have a sc- sorry, they have a school and everything. They have their police, everything, but it, it is a small town. Um, um, Aguascalientes would be the city where you stay. Okay. And so tell us about Machu Picchu. How how was that? <clears throat> so I was actually going to say that outside of the park, just literally outside, there is a very expensive hotel. And what our tour guide was telling us is that that hotel was reconstructed or remodeled. That's where the original family, who were kind of the keepers of Machu Picchu, that's where they orig- originally lived. So Machu Picchu, um trying to remember all the details, um, there was like one or two families that inhabited that space before it was quote unquote discovered by um an American uh, archaeologist anthropologist, um, and Machu Picchu again was quote unquote discovered because this particular person whose name I can't remember at the moment was trying to look for you know kind of like those tales you hear about El Dorado like a golden city that that's what he was kind of behind 
but he came across um Machu Picchu and he actually paid um he paid a translator and he paid somebody who knew the land to take him um through Machu Picchu because again it was there's no easy way of to access Machu Picchu you know it's surrounded by mountains and that's why it was an ideal place um so it took them a while and um so he he saw this particular professor or whatever saw Machu Picchu and he actually kept going back to it and eventually they petitioned for it to be like a UNESCO world heritage site um and something that they place a lot of emphasis about Machu Picchu is that when we think about it it's more like you think of a kingdom and a center for like military action or something like that but Machu Picchu was actually um the equivalent of a university it was a learning center and only the elite really got to go there you know the top notch um and things that were addressed there you know as far as um content academic content was you of course have astrology was covered there so you have a part of Machu Picchu is dedicated to astrology and you know um the learning of um the sky and the different celestial bodies and then they also had um agriculture because you kind of have what were you like different levels of where they planted different crops so that's if you've been to Machu Picchu you know what I'm talking about they're like the equivalent of like a stairwell but just really expanded and really massive because that's where they would land uh plant their crops so you also have agriculture that was covered um and of course um so we said astrology agriculture and um also um theology was covered because you know it is at a high place not only for astrology but you know to connect with um Huaynapacha, I believe, is the deity. No, Wirikocha. Just kidding. Wirikocha was the deity. And that's part of their cosmovision. So that that's what was covered there. And again, again, it was like only the top notch of the elite would go there and study. And it was a place that was far away from, you know, all distractions. And again, it was to form these uh, scholars over there. Do you can you tell us some history in terms of when it was used and which um, culture had used it? <coughs> Sorry, so it was the Inca Empire. Um, this was <clears throat> before um, Francisco Pizarro, who um, was uh, the con the one who did all the conquest of Peru and different areas around there. So this was pre fifteen hundreds, um, where the Inca Empire had its height. Yeah. Wow, and um, so you what it. Now, aren't they going to actually close, or are they thinking about closing Machu Picchu down? Um, our tour guide didn't tell us anything. I had heard about that, too, but um, I didn't hear anything specifically that he mentioned, so. Okay, so, and then you had a, did you actually hire a tour guide to kind of guide you around? Um, it was part of the packet, and something that they t- did tell me in Lima when I was trying to book my, um, um, the package was that they require nowadays, uh, um, a tour guide i'm not sure why but that's something that's a requirement now and if you kind of didn't plan on anything if you just show up too much to be by the gate there's always um tour guides willing to do it and you know the, the tour consists maybe like of three hours total and you know these tour guides do like at least two in a day at least two of these um 
tours in a day. So. And they basically take you around. You get to walk around, see the sites. They tell you the history of it, right? Right. They so you start off. Um, yeah, they show you. They don't actually go into Machu Picchu right away. They kind of uh, walk you through. Um, so where the guards would be, because there was a guard assigned to. Um, um, watch over Machu Picchu and then uh, kind of the equivalent of dorm rooms because again this was a learning center that's kind of where you start and then you kind of cross over to the agricultural part of it and then you end up in the actual like um, what we consider like campus of um, Machu Picchu yeah and then you know you have llamas who are native to to you know <laughs> Machu Picchu so yeah if you're lucky they might they're just grazing and they're eating, you know, um, grass, but they might look up um, if you want to take a picture. <laughs> and how uh, typically how long do you need? Do you need a full day? Do you need multiple days? <clears throat> um, again, because I went in high season, um, typically you have like mm, two rounds, I guess, that you could either go in. You could either go really early in the morning, like around 6 a.m. or more like 7 a.m. or you could go at 11 I recommend if you haven't done it before that you do the early one earlier one because what ended up happening to me is that um you do get to do the full tour and you run end around two two thirty the the park closes at five what you also want to do you have two options for climbing um so even though it's called Machu Picchu. An actual mountain and a mountain peak are Machu Picchu, which is not what comes out in the picture, in the actual picture. Because there's an actual Machu Picchu mountain, which you could climb, but that's going to take you about three hours total. I couldn't do that one because I didn't have enough time. I did it before five years ago. What I ended up doing that time that it was only like 40 minutes one way, so like an hour and a half total, was um, the Sun Gate. Um, that it's a really light one and again this was kind of used again for uh, astrology and you know part of their learning um, but this you could do that if you don't have a lot of time the sun gate but again I recommend that you start in the morning so you could do this really intense hike up to Machu Picchu Peak the mountain and that's going to take you about three hours total but it's definitely worth it it's such a workout oh my god but it's pretty worth it yeah so you can do that hike and also see the historical site of Machu Picchu pretty much in a day if you if you start at 6 a.m. Right. If you start the earlier time, you could easily do um, the, you know, the tour part of it, have lunch, um, um, you know, have rest a little and then do the Machu Picchu, um, the hike. And I believe at the end they stamp your passport if you have it because I do have a stamp of it if you do it. Yeah. So all the passport collectors out there that's good right go if, if you want an interesting looking stamp it would be that one from the Machu Picchu um, hike <clears throat> and then in front of Machu Picchu there's another really interesting looking mountain that one's called Huayna Picchu but that one's really booked you have to book it like three months in advance that's what the tour guide was telling us and that one is more exclusive it's more dangerous and more intense, so this is more for avid hikers who are want a challenge. And there's only two groups that go. There's one like eight o'clock in the morning that goes, and then ten a.m. and that's it. So it's very exclusive. That's Huayna Picchu. It's in front of Machu Picchu. And that's uh that's basically just a hike, not as much historical significance. 
Right, like that. That's a hike, an intense hike, and you have to book it in advance because it's, yeah, it's more exclusive. Like I said. Okay. Did you fly out that then that's that that evening, or did you stay overnight near there? Um. No, I went back to Cusco, but um, again because I had, I didn't have the the best times. You know, like <laughs> I got there like at seven a.m. Even though I didn't get into the park at eleven, and I ended at five. And I had, like, four hours to spare. So what I ended up doing is I just kind of, you know, like, was being touristy, looked at some stuff, had dinner. And another thing that they have in Aguascalientes, which is the city right below Machu Picchu, is they have um, um, thermal bathing, those ther- thermal baths. So that's what I did. Um, the water is a little stinky naturally because of all this, uh, the different minerals and that's something that you could do. It was kind of drizzling when I did it. So it was really, it was at nighttime again. They close at 8.30, I believe. So I went there around 7. It's just just a bunch of people who have done Machu Picchu and just want to relax. Oh, there's also people there who stay there. And in case you're like me, which, you know, I didn't know about the, these baths. Um, they have the little businesses that sell, you know, all the souvenirs and stuff. They um, have a service to lend you a towel, and then they also sell soap and everything. So you could just go there and relax. And, you know, they, of course, have um, cocktails on spa and drinks. Yeah. So these are like hot mineral pools and cold ones, too, I imagine? Yeah, yeah. It's naturally occurring um, hot water, and they also have cold ones, too. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So um, what did you do the next day after that? Is there, by the way, is there anything else to do kind of near the Cusco? Cusco? Cusco, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Cusco yeah. area. <laughs> You're hungry, Justin. Um, <laughs> there's a lot, and it's just unfortunate that I just wanted to do Machu Picchu again because I loved it. Um, there's different, there's the Rainbow Mountain, which kind of has like seven different layers of colors. Which is, that's why it's called Rainbow Mountain. So you could do that. Um, that's a day trip, too, that you could do. But it's pretty killer, too, from what I heard. It's a lot of hiking, so... They pick you up really early, like at 4 a.m. So if you want to do Machu Picchu on that one, you should not do it back to back because you're going to die. <laughs> you need like at least one or two days um, in between. So there's that. Um, there's also, you know, um, horseback riding. Um, they they have interesting, uh, if you want to experience more like um, the coca, I guess, you know, which is, you know, the native plant there. They have different trips that are just surrounded around coca and different activities around coca, like, you know, um, gastronomy and different drinks. And so there's that for those people who are into that. And what, what kind of plant is that? So the coca leaf um, is just a sacred leaf um, native to Peru and um, Bolivia. And people use it for a lot of different purposes. Um some are, you know, sacred in nature, but for what I've investigated, um, it, it helps, again, with altitude, people who are suffering because of the altitude change, so you could consume it for that, I've also heard it that people consume it, because people who don't have a lot of money, so it's rich in nutrients, it gives you energy, and um, it's kind of just a, a leaf that helps with your metabolism and everything and of course it's banned in the u.s it's considered you know a drug um even though over there it's you know it's it's just like another like you know basil or parsley what have you yeah interesting so it's like a healthy alcoholic drink and it's banned in the u.s 
Right. It's has it's a source of energy of minerals. Again, people who don't have a lot of resources use it, you know, to energize and not to feel hunger. And it help, helps with the altitude, digestion. And one thing about it, though, is that from there they do extract um, the components, I guess, for cocaine. But it's just like, you know, marijuana, like, it is medicinal, but, you know, if you extract certain components um, and use them in a chemical way, you can induce, you know, like... A drug like cocaine or what have you yeah oh, okay interesting um and then um so how many more days after this did you spend in peru um from there i that's when i crossed over um well i i, I spent another day actually in cusco just sightseeing um you know because cusco is very um just interesting you know it's very colonial there's you know a lot of hills and I actually went to church on that Saturday I left to Olivia at night I went to church and I was just there and I would ended up talking to a lady who showed me how to get back to my hostel using the transportation which was good because that's always something that I want to do I just don't want to use taxi like I want to use you know learn how to use a bus and everything <clears throat> and this lady um she was actually married to a Mexican man, and they're actually going to move to Arizona, so it's really interesting. Um, and yeah, she invited me over to her house. Unfortunately, I had to check out of my hostel, and I couldn't. You know, I would have loved to stay with her because she was really, really nice. But So I also went to church on, yeah. Awesome. So after that, then you just immediately headed out to your next country. Yeah, so the cool thing about staying in hostels is that they could hold your baggage for you, like all your luggage. Um, so even though you do your checkout, they could hold it for a few hours. Some even do a week. Um, so I just kind of, again, just, I enjoyed the, you know, the downtown area for a few more hours. I went to eat, I went to go, um, shop and then I returned and then I left at like an evening time. And then I went to the bus station to take me to, um, La Paz. La Paz is where? Bolivia is the capital. Bolivia. So we'll have that in our next session, her trips to Bolivia. Um, so thank you, Maritza. Do you, by the way, who's, what's one really interesting person that you met there, if, if you have any? Um, well, in my first time in um, Miraflores, um, I ended up hanging out with a Brazilian girl. Um, she, she does makeup for a TV company in Brazil. So even though we only hung out for one night, we kept updating each other on each other's, you know, travels because we were going to be in the same area, just different days. So that's somebody that um, was really nice. She was really sweet and we wanted to meet up, but just, you know, our itinerary didn't match up. So she was really nice, sweetheart. Great. Okay, cool. Thank you. So and then Marisa, you also travel alone to these places. So maybe we'll have you on at some point just to give trips because I know. A lot of females out there want to travel, but maybe they don't want to travel alone. But you seem to have mastered the skills. Maybe you give some tips on that at some point in the future, yeah? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, thanks so much for listening to that episode. So please subscribe to our podcast to hear more cool, awesome travel audios. Also, please share this with your friends and give us an awesome review on whatever platform you're listening. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, you name it, we're there. We're also on Instagram at Dustin's Travels, YouTube.com forward slash Dustin's Travels, and also Facebook, Dustin's Travels. Thanks so much, and we will be in touch.